Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us over in Appleton and Stevens Point. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning, as well, again, as those over in Appleton and Stevens Point. We are continuing our series on the significant events of the Old Testament. Now, last week, uh, apparently, the uh, feed to the Appleton campus crashed. It was the Appleton campus, is that right? So you didn't get to hear my uh, last week's message, and Pastor Chad had to jump in and carry the day. God bless him. And I know there's few things more depressing than not being able to listen to me. So, my apologies for that. The way that we've, I hope this doesn't freak out your screens over there, this wild jacket. But I'm out of control. But anyway, um, the, uh, you didn't get a chance to hear the message. So, in a nutshell, let me bring you up to date. We were reading how now the children of Israel, after all these years in the wilderness, because they were so stubborn, finally got to go into the promised land. And now the rules change, okay? Up to this point, God is doing everything for them. Sometimes you think, wouldn't it be great if God just did everything for us? We didn't have to do anything. But it doesn't help you, you know? The Bible says, the New Testament says that these things were recorded for our benefit. So we can see how God actually moves in our lives. And God doing everything for you doesn't help you. You would think it would. I personally, being a lazy person, would vote for that. But that doesn't help you grow. And these people didn't grow in faith. They were a disaster. Now the rules change. Now they have to go into the promised land, and they've got to take the land. they got to fight for it. And God shows them now, I'll be with you. I'll give you your favor. I'll protect you. But you got to go do it. So they come, and they come to the city of Jericho. It's got these gigantic walls. They march around the walls, and eventually the walls came a-tumbling down, as the old Negro spiritual saying, and they went in and took the city. Now, at the beginning of it, you'll remember last week, those of you in Appleton, didn't hear it, but uh, God told them. Now, usually when these guys would go to battle, it was always the rule of battle. These guys would go in, and then they could take the plunder. You know, you wipe up some dude, you know, he's got a gold watch, Rolex, you take it. You know what I'm saying? Take it back home. So, but God said this time, when you go in there, don't take anything. Anything of value is to go into the treasury uh, to help build up uh, the treasury of, of the Lord. So, very strict instructions. God himself telling them this. So, of course, there's always one guy who messes it up. And we find that uh, about that today in Joshua, the seventh chapter. Starting at verse 2, it says, Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and spy out the region. Because they're coming in, right? They already took Jericho. Now here's the next step. Go check it out. See what's there. So the men went up and they spied it out. Uh, then they returned to Joshua. They said, look, this is a piece of cake. 
Not all the army will have to go up against AI. Send two or 3,000 guys to take it. Don't weary the whole army. There's only a few people there. This is a gimme. We all like gimmies, right? Easy stuff. So um, uh, verse uh, 4, so about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of the Israelites. And they chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Why? They're still a little insecure. All right? God is asking them to do something that is, in the natural is virtually impossible because they come against really large entrenched cities. Uh, even though this was a smaller group, um, you know, and all of a sudden now they get beaten by the smaller group. Jericho was great. You know, that was a great victory. But now this very next thing, they get hammered. 36 of their guys die uh, and they get chased back to uh, where they were at. And so Joshua, he's freaked out. We read in verse 6, and Joshua tore his clothes. Say, why? <laughs> That's what they did. Actually, they still do. If, if you uh, ever watch stuff from the Middle East, uh, they're very dramatic people. You think your wife is dramatic? Go to the Middle East, all right? Everybody is dramatic, and the men are dramatic, and whenever they get upset, they, you'll see them on the, the news, right? Somebody's killed something, and they start ripping their clothes, and they're throwing dirt in the air, and they're howling and crying. This is their version of mourning. All right? We don't do that here. It would be a little creepy. But over there, that's, and it's been that way for thousands and thousands of years. So as soon as something goes wrong, this is what he does. He rips his cloak, and he falls face down on the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. So all day he's on his face. And the elders of Israel did the same, and they did what? Sprinkled dust on their heads. <laughs> it's just... But they did, and amazing, they still do, even to this day. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to, to deliver us in the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we'd been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. So he's backpedaling now. Oh, we shouldn't have done it. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now? Now that Israel has been routed by its enemies, the Canaanites and the other people of the country are going to hear about this. They're going to surround us, and they're going to kick our butts. My translation. So now, what are we supposed to do for your own great name? And then the Lord says to Joshua, stand up. Get up. What are you doing down there on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them in the, with their own possessions. Now, this is news to Joshua. This is news to everybody. Because at the end, they find out it's one guy who did it. What one guy does this, and now the blessings of God are not with them. And when the blessings of God are not with you, life is a whole lot harder. Somebody say amen. amen. It is a life as hard as it is, right? Like, Ugh. When God's with you, it still can be different. And these guys still had to fight. They still had to march. They still had to do all these things. But when God is with you, he will give you victory. Again, different than what it was because they didn't have to do anything. But now they got to do stuff. But when God isn't with you, man, it is really, really hard. So anyway, God says that is why the Israelites can't stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have made them liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. 
in English. What he's saying is, I told you, don't touch anything of value. All these things are devoted things, is what he called them, that are supposed to be to the Lord. Well, one guy decides, what's a little gold? What's a little silver, you know? I got rent to pay. Life is hard. You know, I got a couple of new video games I need to pick up. Something, you know, I got to... It won't hurt to keep some things for myself. So then they're going through the whole camp trying to find out, all right, who did this? So they're going through this whole thing. They finally boil it down. We read about it in verse 19. Then Joshua says to Achan, we find this guy's name's Achan. He says, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel. Honor him. Tell me what have you done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan breaks down. It's true. I did it. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done when I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia. It's a nice robe. It's kind of like Pastor Mark's outfits. I mean, look at this thing. It's beautiful. 200 shekels of silver. A bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. This is a lot of money. I coveted them and I took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers. They ran to the tent and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took all these things from the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Well, the guys got so ticked, they took the guy and stoned him to death. You say, well, that's kind of harsh. Well, yeah, but look what he did. I mean, even to this day, if you are in a army, if you're in a battle and you find out something that one guy did cost the lives of 37 of your buddies, you're in for some serious butt kicking, all right? They, accidentally shoot you with some friendly fire or something like that, you know, or they'll just line you up and execute you. You can't do stuff like that. And his actions cost the lives of 37 Israelites. And uh, so anyway, they got right with God, and then all of a sudden they went and they wiped these guys out. God, whenever God was with them, nothing was impossible to them. But when he wasn't, things became extraordinarily difficult and even at times impossible. Now, what is the point of this? Now, we see here that from one guy, the entire nation was affected. I said, well, that's kind of strict. Yeah, you have to remember, the rules were different back then. And again, it's different than us today. We live by faith, okay? Unless the Lord woke you up this morning and an angel went, and gave you explicit instructions, you know, if you're on the west side, make sure you don't take the Main Street Bridge, take the great big bridge over here, and you don't take it, or you're going to be in some, some trouble, all right? But we don't live that way. We live by faith, and we're kind of figuring things out and stuff like that. But when God Almighty appears to you and tells you to do something, and you stick it in his face, bad things happen. So that's why it was so strict. God isn't going to go around and destroy you because you've done one wrong thing in your life. All right, and he's not going to not bless the church because there's one person doing something that's right. That's, that's not the point of this. The point of all this is recorded to teach us lessons. And the lesson very simple is this. Even one serious transgression in your life can affect your entire life. Now, this is hard for people to grasp because we think, well, it's just the one thing. And we can make up it with, it with doing other things. And we often see this, you know. I don't know how many of you geezers my age, you know, or anywhere near it, remember the whole Jimmy Swaggart thing years ago, okay, when he, he was like the top evangelist in the world. Huge crowds of people went to, he was a massive, he was like the largest broadcaster, Christian broadcaster at the time. It was a big stick and deal. 
Well, the whole time he has this little problem. He goes to prostitutes. All right, that's a problem. And he thought, well, I'll just pray harder. Or I'll do more of this. Or I'll be more dedicated. More, and they don't make up for this. No, it doesn't work that way. You can't just ignore certain areas of your life and think, well, I'll make up with it by giving more money in the offering. Are you hearing me? It affected his entire life. And eventually the whole thing, like the walls of Jericho, came tumbling down. And it was a huge embarrassment to the kingdom of God and certainly to himself and his family. And his ministry was virtually destroyed. You can't just ignore things in your life and think you can make up for it in other ways. Because what you want to do is you want to have a life that God is blessing. See, you see, the normal Christian experience is supposed to be this. You're supposed to be blessed. Now, to be blessed means to enjoy happiness, contentment, and good fortune. Who doesn't want that, right? Everything, you're happy, you're content, you're blessed. Everything's going your way. And to have favor, again, which means when things go to one's advantage. Things are just better for you. You can see people, their lives are blessed, and things just seem to work for them. You know? Now, in the world, they say, well, man, you're really lucky. Yeah. We're not lucky. We're blessed. Now, there are people who are lucky who don't have God in their lives, but that's very in and out, touch and go. But when you really walk with God, things go for you instead of against you. You can't earn it. You can't, sometimes you can't even explain it. I remember years ago when I was first starting this, you know, laugh your way ministry. And we're starting from scratch. And anyone who's ever started a business knows that starting is really, really hard. And it's really expensive. And most business, what, 75% of businesses fail in the first three years or something? I mean, it's the odds of you starting your business today and succeeding five years from now are really bad. Nonetheless, people do it. We've got entrepreneurial spirits in Americans. We want to, and, and then they try again. And by the way, if you do try something and fail, don't give up. Just keep going. Some of the wealthiest people in the world, if you listen to their stories, failed miserably many, many times. All right? But it's hard. So, so we're starting out, and it's hard, and we're really struggling. And I got a call from this guy in uh, uh, out west. He said, listen, I'm aware of what you're doing. I, I, I want to meet with you. So I fly out there, and I'm hanging out with the guy. We're spending the day, sitting in the house. We're talking and stuff. And he's asking me questions about what I'm trying to do, and I'm explaining it to him. And then we have to go back to the airport because my you know, flight's going to take me back. It was a real short trip. I was just in and out of there. And he goes back, and we sit down. We have a quick lunch because, you know, we had just, just enough time, so we're sitting there talking. And when I got done, I said, well, you know, I got to catch my flight. And we got up, and he said, well, thanks for spending time with me. And he shook my hand. He says, I want to give you a million dollars to help you do what you're doing. <laughs> well, what do you say to that? <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I know what you know. That doesn't happen every day. Now, did I deserve that? No. Why did that come my way? Favor. Just favor. I call my wife. She says, what did he want? I said, he wants to give us a million dollars. She said, oh, why would he do that? <laughs> I don't know. It's called the favor of the Lord. God blessing you, helping you. And it doesn't always have to be in big ways like that. I remember some years ago, man, we were poor. Oh, good Lord, we were poor. We were so poor, we had to look up to see how the poor people lived. 
don't worry, baby, someday we'll be poor too. And the house we were staying at, they sold the house. They had to get out of the house, right? So they got to go get another place. So we got another place. So we barely had enough for the rent. But then they wanted a deposit. They wanted a $400 deposit. I don't have $400. I mean, it's miserable. So, so we're moving in that day. And I'm thinking, they're going to expect $400. <laughs> I don't have $400. I remember that night, I was freaking out. My wife used to really irritate me. She wouldn't panic. I said, we can have $400. She says, oh, it'll be okay. God will take care of us. She rolled her one to sleep. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Wake up. But I didn't do that because she punched me. So I'm always like, okay. She's, and I, she was always right. Irritating. So, okay, God, we're trusting for it first. So we're moving in. I, this, you know, so I'm thinking, how am I going to explain this? I'd figure, okay, yeah, I'll say, look, look, we had a little technical problem. I'm going to be a couple of days delay in getting the $400. You know, you put something off for a bit, right? I don't know. So we're moving. And this time, we just started a business. <laughs> Great fun, right? Very hard. And uh, I started a small recording company. It eventually got very successful. We were producing music for radio and television, movies, the whole thing. But it takes several years before you get there. So we're just starting out. We got nothing. And uh, so we're moving to this place. And as we're moving in, this guy pulls up in this big, long Cadillac, you know, kind of with a, like a bulls on the front, horns on the front. And, he pulls, and this guy, big guy gets out. He's got a cowboy hat on. He walks on up. I hear you got a recording studio. Yeah. Well, I want to make a record. So I want to come in and start recording. Probably take a couple of weeks, which is good money for me. Finally. So great, it'd be awesome. And then he says, well, wait a minute. I probably should give you some money in advance. Now, nobody gives money in advance for this stuff. We've done this for years, right? They never, even the highest recording studios in the national, they never ask for money in advance. Nobody pays anything in advance. You do it and then you pay them. I better give you some money in advance. I'm thinking, clearly he's never done this before. So he whips out. This is why he's got this big old wad of money. $100 bills. And he goes, one, two, three, four. How's that? That'll work. <laughs> he went out and got in his big old cat like and floated away. I literally turned around, knocked on the landlord's door. And he comes to the door and said, here, here's your $400. He goes, wow, do you normally pay in cash? No, not usually. <laughs> of course, the redhead was right again, you know. But what is, it's just favor. What did it mean? It was easy. It was so hard. But when God is with, that's supposed to be the Christian experience. God blessing you. Things going your way, not against your way. Having unexpected things happen for you, even in the littlest of ways. All right? How many want to be blessed and have favor? Right? All right. And God answering your prayers. Sometimes we think, man, it's really hard to get your prayers answered. When in fact, Jesus taught that if there's one thing he wants to do is answer your prayers. Let me show you just a few verses. This is just from three chapters in the Bible. John chapter 14, verse 13. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. Stop and think of that. Jesus said, I'll do whatever you ask. So the Father may be glorified. A little bit further down, he says, 
You can ask me anything in my name and I will do it. The next chapter says, listen, guys, you didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go far or, or go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Wow. Then he says, until now you haven't asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. This is repeated over and over and over and over again. If there's one thing Jesus went around and says, man, ask God. He wants to give you stuff. Just ask him. He wants to answer your prayers. And they're all going, really? <laughs> Even Christians today go, really? <laughs> yeah, that's the normal. I said, well, pastor, that's not working for me. I'm not getting my prayers answered. I'm not having favor. I'm not being blessed. My life sucks. It's horrible. And when people come to me and ask, why is that? I just start asking questions because inevitably at some point there is something in their life like Achan that is keeping God's blessings from you. Does it mean God hates you? He does not hate you. Does it mean that God is against you because of your sin? He is not against you. But he will not bless you. He's not going to change the rules for you. It's just the way it is. He's a holy God and he's serious. He's not messing around. Now here's the thing about Christianity. Christianity is one of the easiest religions in the world. There are just a, it's a small list of things we should not do. It's not very big. It's incredibly small. Now, churches historically have come and made much longer lists because they tend to be pinheads and they tend to be legalists. And I've used this analogy before. I will continue to use it. Legalism, my best explanation for legalism is this. Let's say the rule is your children should not play in the street. Good rule, right? Reasonable rule. You shouldn't play in the street. Well, then a pinhead legalist comes along and says, well, they shouldn't play in the yard. Because if they play in the yard, they're going to be tempted to play in the street. So you got to keep them inside. And then another legalist pinhead comes along and says, well, you can't leave the curtains open. Because if the curtains are open, they're going to see the law. They're going to get tempted to go onto the lawn and end up in the street. So we got to close all the curtains. And another pinhead will come and say, you know, really, they should be in the basement. Because if they're upstairs, they're going to look out the curtain. They're going to see the lawn. They're going to go out the lawn. They're going to end up in the street. So then you get a bunch of pasty-faced kids in the basement you know, <laughs> who've never seen the light of day. And if that does not describe a whole bunch of Christian churches today, I don't know what does. A bunch of pinheads coming along making a bunch of rules trying to help God out. I got news for you. God doesn't need your help. Just don't play in the street. <laughs> one of the best examples of this is one of the things on the short list, you're not supposed to get drunk. You're not supposed to get hammered. Now, it's a Green Bay audience. I know there's a few of you on occasion who get a little hammered, all right? You're not supposed to do that. It's not complicated. Of course, legalists come along and say, you should never touch alcohol at all. Because if you touch alcohol, then you're going to be tempted to get hammered. So when we first started doing church, one of the first things I did, because I was raised in a typical evangelical church, I guarantee you, of the millions of evangelical churches all over the world today, when they have communion, they're going to serve grape juice. It wasn't grape juice. It wasn't. It was wine. They drank wine. It was, it was the Passover meal. 
Oh, I don't believe that. Really, ask any Jew. They've been around for, I don't know, 6,000 years, a little history. Ask them, so what do you do with the Passover meal? Is that grape juice or is it wine? They'll look at you like you're an idiot. It's wine. It was wine. It wasn't grape juice. They accuse Jesus of being a drunkard. You read your Bible? They accuse him of being a drunkard. Well, he only drank grape. How drunk can you get from drinking grape juice? It's absurd. Of course it was wine. He turned the water into wine. They said, man, this is the good stuff. Pinheads, he looked, no, no, he, he turned it into grape juice. I have never taken a bottle of Walter's grape juice and went, oh, man, this is the good stuff. <laughs> right? I've had a few bottles of wine. And, oh, yeah, baby, this is the good stuff. You know, and it tastes really good. It, it, it was wine. But to this day, millions of them won't do it. I said, this is crazy. I'm not going to play this stupid game. So we started serving wine. We give you grape juice for those of you who can't get over it. Peace. All right. Not looking for a fight, just. So some people had a fit. So, Pastor, you can't give people wine. So why? So they'll become alcoholics. It's wine. It's a little itty bitty. Now, they're not shots of Jack Daniels. It's just. Now, if we start handing them around, you start going, you know, okay, maybe we got an issue. They're just pinheads. They're being legalists. They got good hearts. I'm not trying to send them all to hell. They got, but they're just being pinheads. It's stupid. It makes no sense, but that's what legalism does to you. God doesn't have to say you can't take some wine because you'll immediately become an alcoholic. That's legalism. Having said that, you're not supposed to get hammered. All right? Other things on the list. You can't be bitter and hate people. You can't not forgive people. It's a small list. This is one of the things on the list. You'd be shocked at how many people struggle with this. Some of you listen to me right now. You're, you're so angry at somebody, you can't forgive them. I could never forgive them. I won't forgive them unless they apologize first. That's not how it works. You need to let it go. I'm not going to let it go. Okay, how's your life? It sucks. I wonder why. Because that, I'm telling you, it will stop the blessings of God in your life. It is what it is. The other part of the small list, sexual sin. You're not supposed to be having sex with someone you're not married to. God doesn't hate you, but this will stop the blessings of God in your life. There's no reason for it. I had a couple once come to me in church. Wanted an appointment. Okay. I sit down and say, Pastor, you talk about God blessing your life. And man, our life is horrible. Nothing works. We're sick all the time. We keep losing jobs. We can't find nothing's working. Why isn't God blessing us? And I'm looking at the end. We're just total unbelief because I know that they know that I know that they are fornicating and they're giving me this big sob story and they finally said pastor why isn't God blessing us because you're fornicating your brains out that's why and they laughed <laughs> we knew you'd say that but really why because you're fornicating your brains out finally they make it right which is so easy to do. There's no reason for it. You want to be with the girl? Marry the girl. How complicated is this? It's not like you had to climb Mount Everest. You don't even have to go to the west side, which is a big deal in Green Bay. Going from the east side to the west side is a really, really traumatic experience, you know. 
Actually, it's harder for the Westsiders to come to the East. You notice that? It's like they think they need a passport. I don't know what the deal is. You know, it's, it's not, yo, why do you come to our church? Man, you guys are on the East Side. It's, it's just across the bridge. It's really not that hard. They make it right, and all of a sudden, everything starts working for them. Get good jobs. They're doing better. Why? It's called favor. It's called blessings. The reality of it is we just, you, you have to understand these things, like Achan, how it affected everything, will affect everything in your life. Again, does God hate you? He does not. Big problem with porn today. Bible, there's another on the list, lust. It's a very short list. It's not that complicated. Guys up to their eyeballs and say, well, I can't help myself. Of course he can. Of course he can. Seriously, if I cut off your, one of your fingers every time you looked at porn, I bet you you'd stop. <laughs> or you'd be walking around like this. <laughs> of course you can stop. Well, that's not fair. Look. Uh, people say, well, I believe in grace, Pastor. I believe in grace. God's grace Who will help me through this. Yeah, I know, but look at what God's grace is. Titus chapter 2, Paul writes this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Hallelujah. We all buy into that, right? The grace of God, that's what makes all this possible. But keep reading. It teaches us. What teaches us? The grace of God. The grace that we all love and celebrate teaches us something. It teaches us to say No. If you can't say no to things, you're not walking in the grace of God. God will give you the ability. He will give you, I don't care what you feel. People say, well, Pastor, I pray, Lord, take away these feelings. He's not going to take away your feelings. He'd have to kill you. Seriously. It's called temptation. We all have temptation. If your version of trying to succeed, Lord, take away my feelings for this person, or for feelings to look at porn, or feelings to hate people, that's not going to change. What we need to learn is your feelings don't make jack. Everybody say Jack. Don't mean Jack. None of it. Doesn't matter what you feel. We don't live by our feelings. We're not cows. We're not cat. <laughs> Apparently that's very funny. We're not cows. We're not dogs. Those are those animals, it's all instinct to them, right? They don't know. They just do whatever they're supposed to do. They just do whatever they do. I don't know what kind of animal goes, but whatever. We're different. We're made in the image of God. God's grace will teach you. No matter what you feel, you have the ability to say no. No to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. We're not talking about when you die in the sky. All later, someday we'll get... No, no, no. Right now we can do this. And why is it important? Look, do I care what you do at a personal level? I don't care. Whatever you do isn't going to affect me in any way. It'll affect you. And the lesson of this and why these things are recorded is you let these little things on that little short list and you give it, and because people from, for thousands of years of human history love to give in to that little list. But if you give in to that little list, it will cut off the blessings of God in your life. So what you need to decide is, do you need God's blessing? If you don't think you do, then you do. That's up to you. I do. I want the blessings. I want to enjoy happiness I want to be content. I want to have good fortune. I want favor. I want things to go my way. And I want to be able to ask God to do things and he'll do them. Because we're walking in his favor. So we'll pass, we all make mistakes. I get that. We all make mistakes. I make mistakes. We're not talking about it. We're talking about a willful decision to keep doing something on that short list and hanging on to it. And you just keep doing it no matter what. 
No matter what you hear from me or anybody else, I'm not going to let go of this thing. I'm going to hate that person. I don't care what they do. And I'm, all I'm telling you is it's going to stop God's blessings in your life. I want you to be blessed. I want all of you to succeed. Seriously, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I want you to prosper. I want you to succeed. I want you to be healthy. I want you to have great families. I want you to succeed in your businesses. I want you to get big honking yo mama raises so you can give more in the offering. All that stuff. I want you to be blessed, but God isn't going to change the rules for you or for me or for anybody else. It is what it is. It's not complicated if we'll just allow the grace of God to flow in our lives, we'll have the ability to turn away from those things and just do the right thing. And if we'll do the right thing, favor, blessing, and answered prayers will become your normal experience. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Lord, you were on the earth and you anxiously ran around telling people, man, just ask God, ask God, ask God. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you favor. He wants to do these things. But Lord, we get caught in things that we shouldn't be doing and we don't want to let go of them. Lord, I pray, help us today to learn to just to let go and to let God, as we get ready to take communion this morning, help us to examine ourselves, look inside, make sure that we're not hanging on to things we shouldn't be hanging on to. And just surrender it to you because we want your blessings and we want your favor. Help us to live the kind of lives that people who don't know you will look at us and go, man, I want to be like you. How do you do that? And it'll give us the opportunity to share with them the great grace that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Have a great day.